0: Welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. I will be your host. Today, we have my homie, Kirk DeWin. Kirk is a full-time coach, a Spartan pro athlete, and the co-host of The Running Public. And he's kind of developed this system of training that has allowed him to expand his volume that he's able to put in day-to-day without running a ton in terms of frequency. Uh, So I've kind of adopted something similar to this as as I've come back from an injury and it was really interesting to talk to Kirk and talk about how he's been able to refine this and still get really, really good results because I'm hoping for the same type of results. And I hope you guys can get similar results with this information. So I love this conversation. Honestly, it was really cool. A lot of candid stuff that went on throughout. We talked about, you know, coming back from injury and how to kind of talk, how to do this balancing act between frequency of running and total volume so you just continue to get better. We talk about you know, the the aging process and how we plan to continue to improve and the things that we're going to do and the steps we're going to take to make sure that that happens as we continue to uh, grow as endurance athletes. And then we have a really cool conversation about just the Running Public Podcast. We, so stick around to the end to catch all that. Uh, again, I love this conversation. Love Kirk. He's my guy. So I hope you enjoy. All right. Kirk DeWint is here.
1: Kirk, what's up, man? Hey, Rich. I'm I'm used to pushing the recording button, not having somebody else do it.
0: How's it? How is it on that side? Are you? Is it comfortable? Are you feeling less stressed? Is it like? Are you out of? Is it not as much in control? So no, I like it, it. it. It's better. It feels like,
1: like less less thinking. But normally I have this like red button that says record on it, and I have control over that, right? And now I have no control over that, so that's new. So
0: I have that control. I take pleasure in this power. So we're. So, I, I'm liking this dynamic right now. I can um, deal with it. All right. Well, we, we, we will. So, I'm happy to have you on. I'm really excited to talk to you. And like, like I've said to you a couple times before, I kind of look at you as my OCR compass. Like, I feel like I'm a year behind you and like the progress that I've been making. Mm. Always I like try to tell myself that. And like if there was a series last year, I'm pretty sure I would have gotten fifth because that's what you got in 19?
1: I ended up sixth. Six. Right,
0: right at the buzzer, right?
1: Tyler Veerman took third place in Utah and got some big points, and he, he went past me. Yeah. It was, like,
0: the only thing that couldn't happen. It was, like, and the I only took, podium.
1: And I took, like, 11th or something, and that did me no favor. So, yes. It's
0: hard. It's, hard, it's a hard course. It's hard at altitude.
1: Elevation awesome. can suck it, Rich. We both know that. Yeah. Oh, I know.
0: And so I'm pretty sure, like, whatever place you would have gotten last year, I would have gotten this year. Yeah. Um, Either way of of if it was better or worse, but so one thing I've been pretty fortunate in terms of avoiding injury the past uh you know probably five to seven years has been pretty consistent but just this past year I, I did get a pretty nasty injury that sidelined me for a while from running in particular and and during that time I was still able to hit it hard in other areas like I was I'm I'm planning on doing like some like, like the deck of fit and the high rock stuff so mm-hmm. um I was able to spend time on the skier and the rower and I was able to lift and, and being pain-free so my my volume was still relatively high but my running wasn't that, like, wasn't existent at all, and as I've been coming back, I'm still not running that much, but still putting on a lot of work, and yep. I heard you mentioned it, made mention to it in your episode with uh, Nick Riker, episode of The Running Public, in case we haven't mentioned it yet. We, oh, haven't. Thank we, we haven't. Thank you. Thank you, There you go. <laughs> Rate, subscribe. <laughs> um, but, and you mentioned, like, being high volume but low mileage, and I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting because that's kind of what I'm doing right now. So, yeah. I mean, it sounds self-explanatory, right? Like. But, like, how would you kind of – what does that concept mean to you in practice and, like, how are you kind of making that work?
1: Yeah. Um, first of all, I didn't know you got injured, and I don't believe you talk about that much. What What happened to you? And that I'll answer that question. Because yeah, I just yeah. want get – we're kind of catching up at the same time here. Rich. We are. We will. Yeah.
0: yeah I, I wasn't yeah. too uh, – like, there wasn't too many races or anything going on. I didn't talk about it too much. I, I'm not sure. I, like, I had this nasty pain in my glute, and I didn't do any – I didn't get any imaging done because – i don't know like i wasn't able to run i literally couldn't so i mm. i i thought it was either like with my internet research i thought it was a uh a stress fracture in my sacrum or some sort of sprained si joint and i actually hit up uh bailey kowalzik um yeah. who you had on your show as well and she she had uh two sacral fractures those are was brutal kind of t- to come back yeah. from
1: yeah that's a tough spot
0: and it just, it, it was just debilitating. Like I couldn't do anything. And almost for like eight weeks of just not being able to run at all. Um, but I was fortunate cause I it like without impact, it didn't bother me. Like I went to the PT and they told me it was my, it was because I had weak glutes. And I was like, cool. Thanks. Yes, every PT uh, tells every runner that
1: yeah, one. I, yeah.
0: I shouldn't have said, I shouldn't have said I'm a runner. I was like, I don't know. I'm a bodybuilder. And, um, <laughs> so that's what they told me, but then I didn't go ahead and get any imaging. So that put me out for a minute. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was able, but it was during the winter, and that's actually kind of sweet because winter running, you know, here isn't great. You know, winter yep. running is definitely not great. So oh, yeah. that was kind of what I had going on. But, uh, and another thing that made me just think it was something that was structural is that it just turned a corner. Like it just was better. Like as soon as it got better, it was completely better.
1: So Probably was structural then, I would guess. If it was soft tissue or like an insertion thing, those things like rear pop their heads up forever until they right. slowly fade and that's. Out.
0: I'm, I was I was hoping for a stress fracture, honestly, because I was like, I, this hurts so bad. If this is something that is soft tissue and is going to linger, like I'm going to have a hell of a time with it. Um, mm-hmm. So luckily, I think I broke something.
1: Well, l- luckily, you broke something. Not many yeah. people say luckily before they say I broke something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you my story first because I don't know if I've explained it fully, but so this is what happens to me, and I, I feel like I've been sort of the like the king of cross training for just ever and it, it, it's by default but now I'm I've embraced it in like the last year right so um <clears throat> so I got a, I was off for five months with a stress fracture in my cuboid in my foot it's like a slow healing bone I did too much cross training on it on the bike actually and delayed recovery is what I believe happened it should have healed itself in two to three months ended up five because I just believe I was putting a little much on it but what happens to me is every time I take a large chunk of time off and then I return to running, it's my tibia, my shin. Mm. And I develop really bad shin splints, and I can't, my body needs like an adaptation period of like six months to a year before my shins can handle the volume of the rest of my body. But that only happens after I take a big reset from injury. So I started running again, babying the foot, and then the foot starts to feel better, but the shins start to act up. And they're like a slow coddling process for me. So that's the cycle I've been in after every injury is my injury ends up feeling better, but my shins always end up rearing their head. At, and then that's what I manage until they slowly get better. If that makes sense. It, to- it totally does. And, mm. it,
0: and, and, is this something that you're now expecting to have happen? Like it's just happened so often that, and where is it? is it like on the front of your shins or like the, like medial, the inside
1: inside mm. ridge every time in about a four inch section? I've had my first stress fracture when I was 17 in my tibia. I probably had six since. Oh, um, Jesus. Yeah, it's just that's actually the thing that I manage more than anything is is like shin splints or stress reactions on the inside medial part of my tibia. So my foot stress fracture that I talked about on our podcast at nauseum is not an issue right now. There's no pain in my foot. It's managing it's managing the shin and lower leg issue. And so because every time I've come back from injury, I have then had to coddle the shin along, I've just developed a way to like, still be really effective at running when I can run and then fill in the gaps with cross training when needed. And so it's just been like trial by fire too many times where now I feel like I know what I'm doing in that department. So that's how I feel like we're even having this conversation. And I feel like
0: there is a place for this, not just for an athlete like yourself or like myself who's coming back from injury and just wants to, and is used to doing volume and knows that there needs to be a certain amount of work that needs to be done to yep. com, to be effective as a competitor. But like, I think like athletes who are coming into the sport of obstacle racing who might not be have that like you know decade of endurance training that they need to expand their volume one way or another Yep. and this could be a good avenue for that because like running is destructive man it just like can break people down and it takes a long time to to really to really develop that adaptation for for people like you said like you're out for a couple of months and you need to kind of rebuild and you've been running Mm. since you know like since as long as you have yeah yeah totally so do you enjoy this process? What is it like? Are you now accepting of it or is it still like, uh, like a means to an end for you?
1: Um, good question. It It's become less of a means to an end because I now know I can run really effectively when I'm in this situation. So it's not stressful to me anymore. Like if I can only run three days a week and I have a big race coming up, you know what happens in my mind? nothing. I still feel like I'm going to go crush that race. But you take me when, without this perspective and maybe the everyday athlete who's listening to this. And if they were reduced to three days of running a week and had a race coming up, they think their life was going to end and their race is going to suck. Right. So it was a means to an end, but now it's like, if this keeps me healthy, even, you know, I tend to have an injury pop up once a year, once a year and a half, but if I can just keep this model by choice, even when I'm already feeling good, that might be the ticket to even better performance over time. So, embracing it now—that's a good question. Tough one to answer, though,
0: because I mean, you're fi- like the the results are coming in, right? Like you do perform fairly well off of this, and I, I guess it's just kind of two different questions and and figuring that out. And and if it is, like, are you getting results because of this? this system that you kind of locked yourself into and or is it because mm-hmm. of the confidence that you've had previously like how you just mentioned and how do you hold on to that confidence when you don't run that much or like when we're when we're about to do a foot race
1: uh-huh. like
0: how are those two connected for you
1: well well, brack and my co-host on the running public podcast, on the running public subscribe like last like, plug um sa- says you know he's like well are you are you performing well because of this or are you performing well despite it Meaning, like, how much better could you actually be, right. if you were able to run more? And that's like the only gray area, right? You can you can say that about everybody. You could say, oh, rich, if you lost ten pounds of muscle, think of how fast you'd be, or mm-hmm. would you be like, oh, well, because I have this muscle on me, I'm more durable and thus able to perform well. Like, it's you can always play cat and mouse with that, like, question. I guess um, you're gonna have to ask. I wanted to say that because there's always like a caveat to everything, and that would be like the only one small thing. But in fact, I believe I'm more. I just did a workout, for example, and I did this hill repeat workout before Tahoe two years ago. Um, It's a short, spicy hill that takes about 80 to 90 seconds to get up at like 30 plus grade. It's real nasty. Mm. Um, And I did it three weeks before Tahoe and then I went to Tahoe and I was 11th place. I randomly on a whim went out and did the same amount of repeats with the same rest last weekend. And I averaged down to the 10th, the exact same splits that I averaged three weeks before Tahoe. So obviously I am on to something, and I, I down to the tenth. They were eighty five point seven five second average for eight of these things, and it came down to literally the, the that's tenth, insane. which is wild. But anyways, so there is something going on that's working, and I was running significantly more then.
0: So, so what does it look like in practice then for you? And I mean, well, I want to get back to the confidence piece and like how yeah. you're holding on to that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Like we're kind of moving into that other space. Is like, yeah, what is it? Like we're kind of talking about this concept, but like in in uh, from a practical application point, like what are you doing, and like how much volume, in like mm-hmm. the total scheme of things, and like well, how is that kind of broken out?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So there's like two phases to this, right? The phase one is this: like when you're super injured and you actually can't run. Like when you were in the non-running phase, I don't know how long you were in that for. How long? Mm-hmm, were like you in the, it was about eight weeks, which seems like an eternity when you're used to running seven yeah. six days a week. So there's phase one, which is if you're like literally can't run at all, but want to keep your volume up, you keep the exact same structure to your week, which means for me it was quality Tuesday and long effort mixed with quality on Saturday, and then mostly recovery efforts in between, but still like swinging the hammer hard on the same days that I would have swung the hammer hard when I was running. So it's mm-hmm. like a lack of focus. Like if if you're injured, you're gonna get you out of shape just because you can't focus. And then phase two is typically reintroduce running on, um, recovery days and still keeping the cross training on the hard days. So now I'm actually running for recovery, but cross training when it's, when, you know, on the hard days and then that shifts, then that shifts to running on the hard days and cross training on the recovery days. Once you have the habit and the acclimation of the, the weight bearing principle of running back. So it's like a three phase sort of thing, but if you do it right, you can get back to really good performances. Like I feel like relatively quickly because you're working the right systems. Then you re-engage the running biomechanics, get back to used to impact, and then you flip the turn and then all you do is you, you run what's important and you do the big work that needs to happen and then you fill it with cross-training in between. So all the big work is getting done. Even maybe bigger work now is getting done than when I'm running five or six days a week. Because when I run, I, I run. I hit it. And then when I recover, I recover and completely deload. So like right now I'm only running three days a week and I have been, I think I hit four days a week one time and I was super pumped about that, but then realized it was too much. So, um, it was just so sad, right? (laughs) But so that's the pattern. So it's, you know, we went on in college There was something called badger miles. Do you know what badger miles are?
0: I don't Wisconsin based.
1: Yeah. Wisconsin badgers had this system and, and this was before GPS watches and everything. And their coach, uh, at Nuttycombe was like, I don't care what you do, but everything is based on a seven-minute mile. If you go out and run for seventy minutes, it's ten miles. So mm-hmm. they would run on time, based on Badger miles. So now I still run on like a stolen principle, meaning if I cross train for fifty-six minutes, that's equivalent of eight miles of cross training. Okay. So I, so I add and or I I do the time just spent in zones sort of thing. So. You know, if my plan was to run typically 10 miles that day, and that would equate to 70 minutes of running, I use badger miles for my cross training methodology, so that'd be 70 minutes spent in a steady recovery state cross training. So I've been, in my head, that's how I use everything. You'll see on my Strava, I'll cross train for 42 minutes or 56 minutes or 70. There are all these odd numbers, but in my head, it's all based on seven minute mile recovery effort work.
0: That's the uh, the badger miles. Never heard it called that, but that was kind of how I would do it in high school, right? Were you seven? Right. Like, would you do that the same? Like, how would you do your miles in high school? Was it seven minutes? Or would you? Well, I drive like I would oh, take the odometer long. in
1: my truck, so I would leave my driveway, uh, reset the <laughs> odometer on my truck, drive the route, come home, and then that's how I would guess before we had that's that technology. That. I definitely
0: had my dad do the same thing. Just like drive me like seven miles, drop me, and then I would run Ooh. back. So it was like I knew like where I was. Like, okay. Did you actually good. do
1: that? Drop me oh, yeah. off, run home?
0: Yeah, totally. It's like if I didn't know where I was, if it was like hillier or something, but, or if it was just like I had to do like a, like boring out and back, you just take me out and drop me and I'll just run my way back and log it. But yeah, we used to do like the seven minute thing. And then when like GPS that. or like the maps did show up, um, we realized how, how, much we were not running seven minute miles and we were just undershooting our, our miles were way higher than we thought they were they were
1: oh running. i'm sure but if you yeah. went somewhere new then i would base it off of seven minute miles yeah i had an egg timer at home and sometimes i wouldn't even know how far i ran i'd hit the egg timer or something and then i would go run and come back like oh there's three minutes left on it that meant i ran <laughs> x but when it graduated from i don't know what you went to but do you remember that little uh it was that little thing you could put in your Nike shoe in the bottom. Uh, uh, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, Nike w- Plus Pod or something the, like that. The Plus
1: Pod, and so it would base out, off of your stride length or cadence. So then I got graduated to that, and then eventually you got with the times. But that was the progression.
0: Yeah, back, back in my day, man. I'm thinking about ditching the GPS in general. But Are um, you I, actually? I would like to. I would really like to. I just really am not happy with just, like, the products in general. I just don't think – I just don't – like, I think there's, like, this arrogance behind – all the products, like, oh, we're gonna tell you what is appropriate and what's right. And I'm just like, you don't, know, there's no nuance, there's no context. It just, and I don't know why it makes me mad. And maybe it's like the coach in me that, cause I'm, I'm fielding questions about watches a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm just
0: like, ah, I wish these things didn't
1: exist. The, <laughs> like they're the, nice, but. <laughs> the, the, the training status on Garmin, unproductive will drive every single athlete. you are be like, I'm working so hard and I feel so fit. And then it tells me I'm unproductive or deconditioning. You're like, freaking watch.
0: And it's based off of like heart rate data that's not accurate. And their GPS isn't really even that accurate either. And they're going to tell me.
1: And it doesn't take into account if you had vert in that run, if you have a regular run. It'd be like, oh, no, I ran 10 miles in two hours. And it thinks I ran 10 miles flat in two hours, unless you put it on trail run mode. Trail run mode.
0: Correct, and then and there, the
1: altimeter is a
0: disaster too.
1: That's not accurate. My new one is on my Phoenix 5, but my old oh, one is on my four. It's much better, yeah. It's better, yeah. Um, distracted, sorry, but point being is I go off of like Badger Mile Time to measure my cross training and uh, um, I, I was gonna way.
0: ask, I was gonna ask that, are you? And because it, it is interesting to see like how much you can handle, and and the way I was, I almost was doing it. I, mean, I am doing it the exact same way, like the way you laid out those principles. Like, oh, I was like, holy shit, this is like almost to t of what I'm doing. Is good. Spending spending a lot of time with my quality work on a rower or a bike, and then. Um, as I was starting to feel better and starting to run, I was starting to split it. I would do, you know, like 30 minutes of run and then, you know, 40 minutes of row or whatever that, uh, however much time I did want to, to accumulate those days. But I had, I wasn't quite sure where I I pretty much just kind of set a time goal for the week of, of training and just kind of broke it out that way. It's like, okay, if I want to progress my training based on total hours, um, that I means like that means this training day with running and cross training split would be would need to be like an hour and a half or something like that like that's so you kind put of like
1: so you'd put like total time for the week you want to achieve in like a in like a cardio cardio output sense whether it was running or cross training and then figure out a way to achieve that
0: correct yeah that, that's that's kind of how it'd be. it be it's, so it's, it's essentially the same thing because it was it would add up to the same way so it'd be like if you were doing. A ten mile run one week and next week you want to do a eleven mile run it would just be seventy seven minutes and it would still progress the same way but I was kind of like doing it from the from the mileage from the yeah. hours first and just kind of breaking it back down um,
1: similar really I mean it, it's just different it's really the two ways to I don't know do the same thing
0: and I just started getting back into the running piece and it's like going pretty well I was little I was kind of worried because the skill of things. I like. I don't. I didn't know how my body was going to hold up to just like taking the pounding, and how my uh, musculoskeletal system was going to just handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been like okay. How, do, how does it? How, when you are coming back, are you feeling more sore? Or are, and oh and yeah. And the thing, and the thing with with you or I necessarily in this case is like our ability to run fast is probably detrimental to like where our body is ready to allow us to, to do. You know what I mean? Yes. So like you could probably go out and do like six by a thousand and hit it and kill it and then like just be ruined.
1: Totally. You know? And that and did happen a little bit in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the nice thing about that pattern though is like what was what's what's the most common mistake that runners make and that is going too hard on their easy days. I'll say it through and through, right? Right. Well the nice thing is when you're cross training, especially in most modalities, it's really hard to do that. Like Go, go get on a spin bike and try to get your heart rate up to 170 and keep it there. It takes more mental effort than you can even imagine. So most people stay in appropriate zones if they're cross-training much more efficiently than if they're on feet, right? So, like, the good news is that then, like, getting off your feet, getting off a weight bearing in between, I feel like can also, you know, you're working the correct metabolic systems if you're, mm-hmm. if you're working as hard as you should, yet you're not taking the pounding in between. So I've actually found, um, not to, like, keep tangenting from your questions, but... I found that my quality days are consistently going much better in this pattern, and I think it's mostly because I'm taking the load off of the joints and the body and the muscle. They're getting better recovery. I'm never going over my rev limiter, and then my body's like, let's do this thing, and now that you're in a pattern like that long enough, run economy is back. So now it's, it's a matter of like, what's the goal between hard workouts? Recover. What's the best way to recover between hard workouts? Well, is it running or is it maybe something else? I don't know. Starting to really rack my brain over here, Rich. That's what I'm thinking too.
0: And that's why I wanted to have this conversation all the time. back to, because, yeah, yeah. I'm, because I'm feeling that same thing. And it's hard as a runner. It's like, well, to get better at running, you got to run more. And I do understand how like you can get better at running when you're running – 80 miles a week, and therefore, the intervals you can do, you can do just more intervals on your feet, you yeah. know? Um, just based off of, like, how strong you've kind of built yourself and just your ability just to, to, to handle it, more or less.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where do you think, like, supplementing the, like, intensity piece, how, like, how well do you think, like, if you were to do... If you're running like 30 miles a week, so then you can only do whatever. We'll say like three by four by thousand at you know, VO2 max interval mm-hmm. pace. If you were to then move the rest of that interval workout to an assault bike or a rower to kind of uh, I don't know supplement the rest of that energy system development that you would yep. have in place. Have yep, you done have,
1: stuff like that? I have in the past. Right now, I'm keeping them completely separate, but I have done that in the past, and I think it's nearly as effective. In that regard, actually, I do, but I, I haven't done it recently. But I think it's a, it's like a good approach because you're still getting the the run economy, um, and biomechanical benefit of that pacing and that stride and those intervals and that feel, and then you're continuing to work that energy system in like a cross training modality to complete the workout. So like I imagine like all boxes are being checked, right? So I can see that working just as well. I don't see why not. What I've been right. doing is. I'm probably doing quality workouts right now. You know, my long run was three hours last week, and I got oh, nice. almost 5,000 feet of vert, but I only ran three times, right? So I'm running my big workouts as if I'm running 80 miles a week. Like an 80-mile or a weeker would do the workouts I'm doing and not change. it. a 14-mile progression run on Tuesday, huh? right? That's not a workout that somebody running 30 miles a week should be doing. So I'm training my big workouts as if I'm running way more mileage than I am. Somebody who would be training f- for something bigger but then I'm truly like unloading in between and so what I think I'm finding and again I'm like an experimental one right now so I'm refining this but like I'm swinging the hammer super hard on those days harder than I would if I were running every day because I wouldn't be able to get away with that volume on my quality days because I'd have to make sure I'm keeping my rev limiter on if you understand so yeah so I'm swinging the hammer harder on my quality days than I ever have in the past four years even though my run volume is way less and so like it's an interesting concept like hey if i run way more on 3 days a week and make them super purposeful then i can justify my recovery days in between but i'm also what's the stimulus that matters the real work right so i don't know all i know is like something's working and so i'm doing the run volume of somebody with much higher run volume typically and and then cross training in between so it's yeah. not like i'm not scaling it all in like a nice even pattern it's like I'm swinging the hammer like a high-volume runner and then cross-training like an average volume runner in between. So does I that make sense? I see.
0: Yes, it does. And like uh, that's where I am cautious right now and I'm just kind of like – I've done three run workouts. So I guess I've been doing like running workouts for about three weeks now. Um, oh, and you're, kind real
1: of, fre- you're real fresh back into I'm it. I'm pretty fresh. And I, I don't oh. even think I would be
0: doing that but like – um i have some events coming up and the way that my year is kind of shaking out like i'm gonna need to like really focus on like this first like from now until like june or july and like the back half i just can't really count on much stuff like uh, of like having really like prolonged intense training blocks i just it's my
1: yeah
0: probably not gonna work that way this year so
1: so you're not not to turn it on you but i'm super curious so you're three weeks back to run workouts Run and, workouts, yeah. But you've been running longer?
0: Um, or no? Yes, yes. So oh, like yeah. I've been doing – so like the cadence that we talked about where how – it just kind of flipped. How you talked about like my intensity work it is, was been, has been on uh, the bike or the rower or skier or just some, some sort of Metcon type of stuff. And then um, my easy efforts would be split between running and cross-training. Yep. Getting up to a run of about, you know, about 10, 11 miles um, on three or four days a week. Um, and just recently it flipped where my run workouts have been, uh, had, my intensity have turned to the run workouts and the cross training is kind of filled in with the, for the volume. So that's about doesn't, that,
1: doesn't that transition feel sweet when you can actually go, I mean it's a little humbling at first, but when you can switch the intensity over to the run, it's a, it's a nice thing.
0: It's nice that it went well because it's a little scary you know and that's what I was thinking about for what, for what you were saying. I was like, man I would have I would be worried about doing that much run volume on single efforts.
1: but it took me I've been running since November coming back so I'm on November, 7th, January February, March, April. I'm like six months in now and that's a more recent thing in the last two, right?
0: Yeah, right. In the right. beginning,
1: I wouldn't have been able to do that. But but you're also training for high rocks and stadium stuff, right, or DECA? Yep. So, you, yeah, you can work that erg into your high-quality stuff. I know, yeah. exactly.
0: So I don't necessarily need to have it be a workout that is – like I don't need to do a 14-mile progression run. And that was something I was I was wondering about this as well is like and when I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, if I'm going to prepare for Tahoe or, or something like that and kind of keep this similar – um uh style of training like how am i going to be able to spend enough time on my feet to to really get what i need to do out of like these hills and things like that so yeah you're, you're basically saying you have just kind of progressed the intensity work in terms of volume
1: what i chose to do instead of choosing to add in more days to my week like oh i'm at three days now i'm going to go to four and then i'm going to go to five but my quality days aren't going to look any bigger than they used to because I've got to be careful with how much I'm doing because I'm increasing my frequency instead of duration of each run. So I strategically decided to increase my quality days and the effort I'm putting out on those over increasing the number of days I'm running per week. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. so it does. So I'm my progression. If you look at like my Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I let myself have three a week. Usually two quality days, and I'll do one recovery run in there, pseudo skill work or something. But like, um, yeah, I said, why well, go to four if three is working? And let's just increase the ceiling of those three days I'm running that way. So that's how I'm increasing volume. Oof.
0: Yeah, was that nerve wracking? Were you scared? I would have been nervous.
1: I fell into it, and I yeah. fell into it, and I liked it. And so, so, no, I guess, I guess not. Um, I will say that the re- I can't run more days right now because of my choice to run so big on my run days. Right. Like that is what is causing me to only run three days a week. But if something isn't broke, why fix it? And so my, my run markers are telling me I'm as fit as I've ever been already running three days a week. And I look back and the workouts I'm doing right now are bigger than workouts I would do when I was running significantly more volume because of my choices to make these workouts bigger. So, you know, what do you do with that, right? You keep doing what gotta you're gotta keep doing. it rolling, <laughs> you gotta <laughs> keep doing it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, like, and I, I mean that's encouraging for me to hear because that's just the thing with it. It's just like running, it just feels hard to bounce back from now and like i do want to talk about like that progress it of like, learning like where that recoverability is um yep. but like last year when i was just i was pretty much just running on the roads like it's all that's all i had right and like i would put in big workouts i run a lot of miles but after those big workouts i was just decimated like i would yep. be sore for two days and it, i mean. And I don't know if it was just because the amount of volume I was doing. I was like, getting a little older, so I don't know like what it, what it was about that. Um, but I really have been enjoying not feeling that way. It's it's very nice. You're not um, feeling
1: completely smashed all the time? Not feeling
0: smashed all the time, believe it or not.
1: You're not like walking like an old man when you get off the couch after sitting down for an hour?
0: And that's the one thing about getting hurt, what was actually pretty sweet. I started feeling better in places that were not the injury. And I was like, oh... I shouldn't have been feeling like this.
1: <laughs> I can reach down and put my socks on without feeling stiff. That's new. That's, That's the weird. stage I got to when I was injured. I was yeah. like, "Oh, it's easier to put my socks on No, It's got. It's a sign I was a little smashed while I was running a bunch. It's like,
0: I can understand why people never come back. <laughs> like the first time I thought in my brain, I was like, "Oh, people just like like to feel good." I get it. Um, yeah and
1: you're coming back from a guy who's very tenured in the running realm imagine a deconditioned human entering running for the first time my gosh
0: and then getting hurt and then being like nah it's like this is whew, this was worse <laughs> or not
1: getting hurt and just feeling the suck of running
0: yeah um, so you mentioned you briefly mentioned skill work in there and this mm-hmm. is a piece that I I think like as runners who've been in it for a long time like I think just you can naturally kind of develop skills in 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 one way or another so i had not necessarily had it be a main piece of the puzzle for me until i started to kind of build back and and working on actual skills of of running is something that I've, i've really kind of put into place as well with this um is that part of your running day when you're doing skill work or are you kind of putting this in with like your your cross training type of stuff All right, so one thing that you know we we're just talking about how running felt not awesome, or like it can be really kind of punishing.
1: Yeah.
0: And another another reason why I kind of look at you as my compass is because uh, you're older than I am, not by much, yeah. but you are. How, how old are you? Thirty five.
1: Okay. Yeah, you're a I'm 38 in a week, so I'm about two or three years older. Yeah.
0: Yeah, happy early. Early birthday. Thank you, sir. Um, you know, there's guys like Woods and Killian and like yourself who do keep the fire lit for me. Um, and I also try to tell myself for, for this is like, okay, like what this is my story as an athlete now at this point. Mm. And, you know, sometimes I like will like kind of dwell on what I could have done potentially in the past. Like if I had started doing this, like ten years ago, or training this way, or having this specific mindset—like, where would that, where would that kind of lead me to now? But I, mm-hmm. I try to kind of stay in this moment, um, just so I don't kind of pummel myself with those thoughts of what, well, where could my potential ceiling be? Um, but I, you know, like, who knows where the story is going to end? So, uh, like, do you think about this much? Do you think about like where oh, yeah. y- where your story is and how it's going to kind of play out?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, For sure. Um, Here's the thing. You and I are luckier than most people, Rich, and we're luckier than most people because um, we've been putting money in our running bank for years. So when Mm -hmm. something pops up for guys like you and me, and I'll be the first to admit it, I'm not a cyborg. I've just been depositing in my running bank account for decades, right? So an injury pops up, but your body remembers, right? You've worked hard to develop those capillary beds and all that mitochondria and red blood cell transport and stroke volume of your heart you've earned all that right so you come back and you start running a little bit again and people are like ah kirk's a freak look at he's running three days a week and uh and yes i i think i got something figured out here but at the same time i'm cashing out money that i've put in for years and you're kind of in the same boat so mm-hmm. like when i say that like i'm prefacing the sense that like i believe i can be good in this sport for a long time because of the work I've put in already for decades, right? So if injury pops up as we get older and and I've had more of these as I've gotten older, I still believe I can find a way to do it because I've earned the right to do so by all the years of training I've put in my running piggy bank, right? So so for like in that sense, like there's a I you know, you talk about your story, like my story is no matter what happens, whether I stay injury free for the next 5 years of my life or I have to deal with what I'm dealing with. Like, I know this story's going to end. It's going to end as well as I want it to because I'm not going to take my foot off the flame, right? So um, I don't worry about it. And I don't I don't even worry about that whole, that whole like, you know, time. Father Time always wins. Like, he does. <laughs> but Father Time usually wins, right, because people get injured and they keep their foot off the flame. Father Time wins, what, so I can't run as fast of a 5K as I could in college? But I bet your ass I can run a faster 50K than I ever could. So you transition mm-hmm. your goals and you focus on the other races. So, like... I don't know where my story is going to go. I'd like it to go where I'm a multi-time podium placement in U.S. National Series, and I I still have a belief that that can happen. But um, I think it's more staying focused through the low patches than it is through the high, right? So that's what I think about when I think about, like, my story. My story might not be the guy who ever ran, has the most beautiful stride and runs 70 miles a week and makes it look effortless, but my story can be, like, this guy's still stuck around even though his situation hasn't been perfect. and he, He's done well enough to warrant like some attention, right? Like he's doing something right. And so that's the storyline I'm sticking to for now, and I think about that a lot. And
0: there's got to be ups and downs, I mean, especially with injury stuff. And we talked a little bit about confidence before and how you kind of hold on to those things. It's like, I know I can run this much, and I'm going to figure out a way <clears> – <throat> to To spend that money that I've been depositing for this yeah. long, and I, I, like I have it built up, like I know I can do it. Like I, I've I've done all this work, like I yep. can continue to 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 make it happen. And like, how is that the drive that keeps? Like, what about the competition of it? Then is it because you feel like you still have like ability to get better, and there's still more you can deposit, or like what's keeping mm-hmm. the competition going?
1: Yeah that's exactly right actually that, you put words in my mouth there i believe i can still get better you know taking five months off of running which i did last year is not going to make you a better runner like they can't they can't glorify cross training that much mm. it's that we're not sugarcoating that but um putting together even an injury streak free where i can run consistently even if it's three days a week over time um for sure absolutely you can get better and so that's that's my hope this is like um Uh, You know, not like I was thankful for the COVID racing season By any means, not happening But for me, it was time to take my time And get back into this how I want But um, yeah, I think ultimately And you're the same way, Rich I know you are Because you're fast as heck, man You got wheels on you Like maybe nobody in this sport Even the Gaudettes and the Bottresses, right? And you know in your heart of hearts That you're good enough to do well And I know do better than you have up to this point I know you know that And I know the same thing So that's what keeps me holding on
0: Yeah. And you're right. Like I do feel that way. Right. It's like, okay. And and there's something here that, and it needs, I know I can like put it together and, and, and bring it to fruition. Like the, the fitness that I have and the competitive drive that I have, there may be some patches missing on the competition side of things that need Mm -hmm. to kind of work themselves out. Um, and I, like the father time thing is interesting. And I, this honestly hadn't thought about it that much until I turned 35, like a month ago.
1: That just seems so old to you.
0: It just not, not even, but like how, like, I don't, obviously I don't feel that way. And people say that and they roll their eyes. Like, I don't feel as old as I was like, I don't, but Mm -hmm. like the, the peak years, right? Like what keeps me going is that Galen Rupp is my age. And I'm like, okay,
1: cool. He's good.
0: Regardless of what he's been taking, who knows? (laughs) But like, hopefully nothing. he's hopefully nothing. We're going to say nothing and he's just rocking it. Uh But those are the things I'm thinking about more. It's not necessarily like, I could definitely get better in the sport because there's a lot of elements in it and there's a lot of things we're still trying to figure out and like you know coaches like you and i and bracken we're we're trying to push it forward by like figuring out what's going to make people actually good at this sport and and you know running is already kind of taken care of like we kind of know how to do it Mm -hmm. right but like we can definitely get better at that but the idea of like the peak physical capability is now something that's in my brain a little bit
1: more you know peak what I mean? phys- like, in what regard like peak physical capability and like how would you measure measured by how
0: like you know just like like even something as simple as uh your testosterone numbers sure. like how well like recoverability is going to be like how well you're going to be able to build muscle, how like fast twitch things are going to kind of c- continue to progress like where these things need to uh, will actually start to decrease without anything that we can do about it and right now I feel like this whole conversation is way uh, is a essentially a longevity conversation and um, I started to kind of ask about like you know skill work and like mobility and these yeah, yeah. are all different things that we can also do to help you know as our coordination starts to, to taper off or as our um you know as the testosterone starts to taper off like having these other things in our in our toolbox to to throw at the competition to throw at ourselves to continue to get better but just like the idea that like it's never going to be as good as it could have potentially been Mm -hmm. is something that i'm kind of thinking about
1: a little bit you can't go there rich (laughs) that's a dark room to walk into rich (laughs) you bought that shit out rich I I, right. I I believe this. I wholeheartedly believe that if I went and trained for the 1,500 meters again right now, I know this. I don't see myself running as fast as I did in college, even if I put three years into it right now. But, like, I know that you get out to the 5K distance and further, and I believe in my heart of hearts. Like, if I trained for the 5K, I could run it, I bet you, as fast as I did in college if that was my sole focus right now. And you're not – I mean, what would you run? Did you run, like, 1,459 or something stupid? Well, I did PR in my a, in
0: a 5K last year. And, right.
1: Exactly, at 34 years old. Right. So as soon as you get away from those short, spicy distances, like our potential to stay good is so far extended beyond what people think. You have Marathon Olympic hopefuls that are 45 years old. Hopefuls. On the women's side, I think we've had 45-year-old marathoners oh, yeah. in the Olympics. That's a decade away. And our sport is comparable to a marathoner. If you want to go focus on beast races in your mid-40s, You could still be the best beast racer you've ever been in your forties. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But that's the shit I tell myself. I was gonna say.
0: (laughs) I was was gonna ask. Like, okay, like, yes. And this is where it comes back to the story, right? It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. maybe like that. This is my story, right? That I can be this person who like put it all together in their mid thirties and like continued to crush for a decade and like you know when we were when we were in like our early 20s or in our teens you see like that guy who's 40 at a road race and he's like running like under 16 you're like damn that's crazy that old guy Mm -hmm. is out there crushing um but like so like maybe maybe that could be like i tell myself that it's like okay like where could we actually like what could i do what what what, what where's the end of my story like it's not the college runner that i was not the high school runner that i was it's not like this this my middling 20s that never really uh, came to fruition like Maybe it's the, maybe I am that later athlete that is continuing to kind of push those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you tell somebody that's kind of like like Do you like when you do tell yourself is it just that like Hey, there's other examples of this, or like how are you kind of keeping it going?
1: Well, I guess like you said, you look to me because I'm a few years older and you're one year less progressed in the sport because I think you started a year after I did. Um, yeah, you just look to the next guys, and the next crop of guys would be, like, a Woodsy, Killian's a year older. Mm-hmm. But, like, you think beyond that. Like, you think about, like, a Matt Novakovich who's, I don't know, 45 now maybe or so. Um, I don't know if we've seen anybody past 42 or so in our sport who comes out and is a consistent podium top 10 contender in the U.S. National Series. I don't believe we have had anybody that I know of. I'm sure somebody could correct me if I'm wrong. But, like, I'm starting to think ahead as my 38th is coming along. Uh, and thinking, like, you know, I can't wait till I'm 45 and still being like somebody who then that's like an, a talking point, being like, right, setting the example. So I'd rather run three days a week and stay healthy for the next eight years than try to be a hero and be screwed. So hmm. that's part of my thought process as well, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Cause, and like, and that's like the patience of things, like being at it for so long like now that you understand how time kind of works right like there's no
1: rush there's never a rush and the longer you do this the more you realize there's no rush like somebody's first injury when they get one rich is catastrophic it's Mm -hmm. catastrophic. you think your world's gonna end you're ready to jump off the bridge right now an injury happens i'm like oh good i got more free time for other shit now that's great (laughs) (laughs) i'm
0: gonna feel i'm gonna feel better (laughs) for a while
1: (laughs) yeah like that sort of thing so i don't know there's no rush that's what i think
0: yeah, that that's true, and like that—that's something I spoke about this a couple of times. But like that, COVID, the COVID year really put into perspective for me is like that.
1: There is no rush, dude, and time just moves on. Speaking of COVID year, you run sub fifteen in the five k in a COVID year. You go out and run fifty something in a ten miler in a COVID year. I'd say I'd say you did yourself all right.
0: I think if they had one of those money that, and don't second place in the in the. Running public, rate review subscribe ten k and burpee ten k and also the third in the beer mile. I was making money. Yeah, last what, year.
1: what'd you make? Yeah, what'd you make on our little event there? We sent you like seven hundred bucks or something.
0: Uh, not quite. Like five something. It was more than a win at a regular Spartan because I got that third place in the beer mile. I didn't know the bottles. I didn't know bottles was a way to go. I
1: didn't know either. We we didn't put too many restrictions on it.
0: I don't know, but I'm not saying that that was cheating. I think that was the right move. I think you should use yeah. bottles. I didn't know. I didn't, yeah. I'm, I'm bad at chugging. Yeah. You got but some yeah, good
1: paydays I,
0: and I made some money at OCR stars too. Yeah. I think if they did those like payout lists, I'd probably be on the top 10 cause nobody else was making anything. That's right, baby. But <laughs> we'll, we'll right. count it. Yeah. Um, do you, do you look like not in any type of negative connotation, right? Like,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: of like regret, but like if you were to go back and tell some like, Go back and tell your younger self something about about training or racing. Um, what do you think you would you would kind of tell yourself?
1: I'm going to say I'm going to steal somebody else's things, and that's my co-host Bracken. I, Bracken's a bit younger than me, but I do think at times he's a bit wiser. And <laughs> and his saying, you know, he's a family man. I've had I haven't had the you know had to be tied down with any obligations other than myself. So he's had a, he's had to mature a little quicker, I think. Yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but it's the pay now or pay later like principle it's literally that simple statement And i still that from him and i have no problem stealing from him but pay now or pay later and i wish i would have told myself dozens of times in the past when something was kind of bothering me but i just had to run because i had something coming up and i didn't pay now by taking time off I chose to run through something, and then I paid later by taking two to four months off of working out. It would have been much better to pay now. You know, when you pay later, there's interest, and it hurts more, and, it, mm. and that's not how it goes. And so that's the one thing I would go back and tell myself. I'd literally put that on my wall, pay now or pay later, and then subscript underneath, it would say, always pay now. That would be it. That would literally be everything. I, and, and I bet you I would have taken half the injuries. I would have... Probably been better fitness overall and I I Mm -hmm. went to had to learn all those hard lessons along the way. So that would be the one thing I would I would hone in on.
0: So with the with the stress fracture stuff, like it was always
1: like you probably knew. I'm dancing the line, I'm dancing the line (laughs) too. I'm walking on on hot coals, brother. (laughs) And I knew it.
0: Yeah. Like this I'll
1: give you an example. So for this week this week I went for a recovery run on Monday. And I intended to do my quality work on Wednesday. I had a kind of a bad day on Tuesday and I felt like I needed to run for my mental health. Mm -hmm. So I bumped my run to Tuesday hard. And then I knew things are a little sore. Things are flaring up. I haven't run Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday this week. Now three days off in a row because I'm paying now because of the decision I made to run on Tuesday and Monday back to back. And now I'll run tomorrow. And I chose to pay now. Did I want to run today? Oh my God. Did I want to run today? But I just paid now and got on my stupid assault bike again. And so I apply that even to those little things. Should I have run on Tuesday? Probably not. It was more for my mental health than my physical health. But now that I did that, I'm choosing to, like, pay now the rest of the week until I run on Saturday because I have, like, my three-run limiter right now. So that would be, like, one small example of it, right? Yeah. So applying yeah. that on a weekly basis it's important.
0: And just, yeah, like, that could be a micro basis, like, right? It could be yeah. one, one more interval. Right? It could be one yes, more mile.
1: It could just, be, Exa- yes.
0: Um, Very true. That, that is, that's uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely battled with that for sure in my early 20s, like just always being worried about losing fitness, you know? And just like, oh, well, like I can't because I work so hard, I'll never get back to this. And now like the whole conversation we just had is like, oh, things just come back. <laughs> they just like, they kind of do.
1: Well, you have to earn it, but you don't have to like change the world to earn it yeah. back. Right. I don't,
0: yeah so with with all like the training and the racing and stuff like that um, and just like just in general like how, how I think about this sometimes for myself in terms of like what where is the goal here outside of maybe athletics right it's like the accomplishment and really doing like training so much its sometimes it, it and it's like hard for it's hard to justify like I've figured out a way. To justify it and I feel damn good about it, mm-hmm.
1: but uh, wait, why do you... you have a hard time justifying training so much because it takes away from other parts of your life,
0: yeah, yeah, okay. and right. especially like you know, being it, being where we are, right, in terms of in in, in our life and like in our mid 30s is like should we is it and like this might be another reason why the story that we were talking about before of being that athlete that continues to push and progress, like it might be a little bit more, uh, a little bit less seen because there isn't that justification that, that comes along. You know, people might end up trying to, to start to change their uh, priorities. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're both in a situation where, you know, we don't have those obligations, like you said, with, with um, Bracken, you know, the family mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes it a little bit easier for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. But um, there's a lot of people who are in that position who are still kind of kicking butt and are able to to put those priorities in place. But, like, what do you do to, to kind of prioritize things? Or how do you kind of justify your priorities when it comes to, like, spending so much time? Mm -hmm. doing the stuff
1: you know it's shifted a little bit like i put a little more time into my athletes now than i do my than i used to and i put more time into my work i think but i enjoy it so it's not really a sacrifice um but you know i think we like to like glorify the full-time athlete life like i'd have all the time in the world and all of this and you see very few athletes in our sport quit their jobs, go to it, and, like, even see a significant improvement. They end up, like, doing the same or burning themselves and doing worse. And I, I, I kind of think the busy ones, like the Bracken and, you know, maybe yourself. I mean, you're working a lot. I'm working a lot. Yeah. they kind of lucky. Like, it kind of keeps the governor on you, right? And it keeps you in check because sometimes life obligations – like yesterday, I didn't get anything in because I had to make athlete plans and knew I had to have time to make this podcast happen. So I didn't work out yesterday. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually true. I chose not to work out yesterday so I could get the rest of my athlete plans done. So I could knew I didn't have them today, so I could hop on this podcast. Did you know that, Rich? I d- I didn't. Totally worth it though. I appreciate totally worth it. it. <laughs> but point being is like sometimes that's a blessing, man. Like not overtrain, like overtraining synd- syndrome is real, and half of people are running around dead tired all the time and they don't even know it. And so like I kind of think the busy man is the lucky one like the busy man or woman like as long as you don't feel like you're in a rush and you're getting your sleep which can be you know I guess the kids thing will change that but so I don't even know what your original question was but I know that someone answered it in the fact that like um, managing I think you said managing like the selfishness of time with working out and all that and sometimes I don't put it first but I think I think that's okay for a longevity piece anyways
0: Yeah. to be honest with you yeah. And that's like the balance, right? Like figuring out like when, when it's time to prioritize it or when it's time to to kind of back things off. And I guess that kind of stems back to the pay now or pay later type of
1: thing. Yeah. Um, is that kind of along the same lines you think of, of like, like in a sense, if, if you're managing an injury, I can justify taking a day off or two. If maybe I had the time or I can justify that because, um, more time off means more recovery, which means you heal faster in a sense. So I don't know. They, they line up though, I would say.
0: Cause you also have like some other like hobbies, like hunting and fishing and, and like things that take a lot of time. Right. Yeah. I yeah. would
1: assume. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So how
0: do you, like, cause that, that comes with balance as well. Like, mm-hmm. and it's still yeah. like trying to figure out like where you want to prioritize your time. Mm-hmm. Um, is there an overarching philosophy you have about your time?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a good question. I haven't been as good at time management lately, from the work and then free time standpoint. But you know, if if I get up at four thirty to get a workout in, which I have to do a good bit, then Oof. I'll just sacrifice. Yeah, I used to do that, Rich. You used to be a trainer.
0: That, that trainer life, man, schedule is
1: tough. It is tough. I'll do those things, but you know, the, the hardest part—I think the hardest part about it all—is like making time for social endeavors, like. Seeing your Mm. friends or hanging out with your girlfriend or what your fiance now, I believe, like Mm -hmm. making the time for quality time has been the hard. That's like the biggest one. Like, do I work out or do I maintain a relationship with my friend by meeting them out for dinner and a drink? Like, that's the biggest struggle I have. I've like, can I be a shitty friend still or do I like sacrifice some of my own needs because this relationship is important to me? So that's the one I actually struggle with the most. My hobbies, when I have the time, I'll go do them and I can make time on the weekends, but it's. It's more like managing relationships. I think that's what I think it comes for me. It does. I don't know about you, but for me, it it does.
0: Yeah, for me, like the the training and the working out is like it's just gonna happen. And but it's the it's the business and the other stuff that gets in the way of the relationships for sure. Yeah, and and like it's hard to. And then when (laughs) like it it should probably be flipped so that like my my well-being as a human and like every everything that needs to be taken care of is taken care of because of the business that should probably be the priority but training as like a lot of times it just gets done i just that's just how i've worked my life and that so that yeah. to me is also the same way and yeah that's that's tricky i well, try not to
1: go ahead. well we're both self-employed it's we're not punching a clock at 8 a.m and not leave until five and then having to get the dinner ready for the kids. And so the only time you have to work out is if you get up at four to get it done. Like we, we have flexibility in our schedules. So we're like lucky that way, but I don't oh, know. Yeah. I just I'm working think
0: out that, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just, this endurance training is a selfish endeavor. It's all about you and your time within yourself and, and, and making yourself better. That's a selfish endeavor. So like being less selfish, like selfless is the hardest part. Like I'll, I'm a selfish human because I put so much time and effort into my own endeavors and so working on, like, being less selfish at times at sacrifice to maybe the amount of time I have to invest in my fitness, like, I think that's a real conversation to have. And and that's why, like, I set aside a time. Three days a week, I have a big chunk of time, and I set that aside. And then those other times during the week on my cross-training recovery days, if something's got to give, like, I got to hop on a podcast with my boy Rich, it's fine. The run will be there tomorrow, and I'll crush that <laughs> shit then, too, right? So, like, I don't know. That's how I've been looking at it.
0: Yeah, and... Just a push back on the being selfish in terms of, like, the endurance endeavor, or like, yeah, going out to better yourself. It's like, do you think you would be a better person without endurance training, without oh, the endurance? No. Right. So, no. like, yes, you are, like, it's making you a better person, but it's also making you a better person for the people
1: around you. Listen, being selfish has a negative connotation. I don't think it should. Being selfish Mm. means you give a shit about yourself and you prioritize, like, the things that matter to you in your own time and happiness. So selfish has, like, a bad rain cloud over its head. But I think the word selfish just means, like, you love yourself enough to do what you need to do to be happy. And hopefully you can balance that with making other people happy too, right?
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, that's – I've had, uh, uh, like, the shift of, like, trying to only make other people happy and putting – and not being selfish enough and i'm much happier i'm a much better like person to be around all the time mm. now that i've taken a lot taken more of my life back you know and then yes. done a little bit more of that selfish stuff um
1: yeah, yeah. i have that conversation so, not as a tangent i know but i have this conversation with a lot because i have a personal training business and so i have that conversation a lot with people in the gym um especially like it seems like middle-aged women like they had they're working full-time and they still have kids at home and they have all these responsibilities and they're you know, they got to get a present ready for somebody's birthday. And so instead they go to the store to buy it and wrap it to get things ready for somebody. And then they make dinner and then they have laundry and they put everybody else first. And then they put themselves last and they do it for years and years and years. And they end up being a grumpy, unhappy, fat human. And I'm like, what's happening is you're putting everybody else first besides yourself. Like the one word you should put on your mirror is selfish. Be selfish. Like the laundry can wait. Your husband doesn't need X. Like to be done right away or your kids can figure out a way to do this without your help all the time and so i think it's a worthwhile discussion because that's the biggest thing that gets people like i don't know unhappy i think selfless selflessness is usually that person is spread thin and lacks joy often to be honest (laughs)
0: And that's where, like, as fitness professionals, that's the crux of it, right? Like, that's how I, like, that's what really gets my gears going. or really gets me motivated and, like, happy about the the work that I'm doing is that it is, like, people taking their health and wellness and Mm -hmm. taking their own personal uh, goals into their hands. And it's like, if we can help them do that so they can become, like, a better, happier person, like, that's the deal. If they get on a podium or whatever or if they they lose – 15 pounds they want that's great they hit those Mm -hmm. like objective goals but like what happens to them in a broader sense as a person and as a personality like that to me is like where like where the real gold is in this profession
1: it's the best part of our job totally
0: yeah totally
1: we did not mean to go down this route today did we rich
0: yeah (laughs) we're just out here chatting Um, so can we talk about the podcast (laughs) book how you doing on time
1: I'm great. Uh, You're my you're my uh, five o'clock, so to speak. Uh, Perfect.
0: So, um, so the running public. I was the. I've been blown away with the impact you guys are having with the cultural the cultural impact you guys are having like ocr like the connection you guys have been able to make with people has been amazing and we mentioned the burpee 10k real quick which was at which is in july Mm -hmm. and this is the this is where it really connected to me that like what you guys were, were was doing was really special and like the words that you that you are speaking like really mean a lot to people yeah like i've found out other ways since then but this one like you guys essentially were speculating on what a good time would be for that race, right? Like no one knew. No, it wasn't like a race (laughs) that like ever happened. And like, so when Mark and I went under the times you guys speculated, people went crazy. People Uh, were like, Oh my God, how'd you, I was like, how do you know what's a good time on this? This is a made-up <laughs> event. <laughs> this doesn't even exist. But it's just like that. You guys re- like that the trust that you guys have had in like uh, and and have been able to to instill in people because of the good knowledge that you put out there and the good faith that you put out there um, has, has gotten um, has gone a long way. So like, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, for sure. And like, thank you guys for doing what you're doing. So like, what do you what do you think you guys are doing that's like resonating so well with with the with with the people in obstacle course racing?
1: Nobody's asked me that question, Rich. Have you thought about it? I, I ha, All I know is that when – thanks for asking, by the way. Um, all I know is like Bracken was my coach. My co-host Bracken was my coach. And then he realized I didn't really need him anymore, and he said, hey, I don't think you need to pay me to coach you. I think <laughs> you you'd get this all. Um, maybe we just catch up once in a while on the phone or if you have questions, running by me. And then we started – Started chatting, and then we just started. We started chatting about one question I'd have, and then it turned into an hour long phone conversation. We like really like talked each other through a lot of things. Like even as people in the know, we talked each other through a lot of things. Suddenly, Bracken's calling me for advice, and I used to be paying him. You know, six months earlier to be my coach, and now my former coach is calling me to bounce things off of it. It was just an interesting dynamic. And we realized we were just super helpful for each other, hmm. like in general, to have in each other's back pocket. And then we said we should maybe record some of this stuff some days. It's so helpful for us that maybe it'd be helpful for other people too. And that's like where it started, to be honest with you. Um, and so he had to break ties with Obstacle Dominator, um, which was like took a little bit of time and whatever. But I think that's it. I think like we don't intend to – like our intent is to help people, but I don't think we have like a an agenda or even a plan behind it. It's more like what would help us talk through for ourselves, and then we talk through it for ourselves and allow an audience to be a part of it.
0: Hmm.
1: Does that make sense? It does. And, and this is so then you just get an insight into the, the brain of maybe somebody who's I'm not gonna call say we're overly accomplished, but like into the brain of someone who performs at a somewhat high level. And I think it's just allowing people to get into our mind and allowing how we work things out to be heard like on a weekly basis. That's the best I can come up with.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Like one of my favorite blogs, which I visit sometimes, it's it's a a blog called Wait But Why. Um, This is this dude named Tim Urban. And when he started it, he just said, like, he's like, I just wrote something like how I would want to read. And, like, it's a very interesting way that he kind of puts it out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But it kind of sounds the same thing. It's like, hey, this is helpful, right? Like if we think this is good, there's enough people – out in this world that there's got to be somebody who's like picking up this information and going to, it's going to be helpful for them as well.
1: Do you feel like that's kind of
0: like along the same lines?
1: It's exactly it. Like if you think something's helpful, then probably most everybody else will think something's helpful. And it's just Bracken and I talking about things we already somewhat know, but then diving into them further and chatting them out deeper. And then, I mean, Bracken just said in an episode a little while back that he's learned more since we started this podcast and he's progressed at a rate with his knowledge and it's only because all we're doing is like sorting through our own problems in mm-hmm. a sense like on on a recorded regular basis and
0: and i feel that same way in terms of, of yeah. this podcast is like like the learning styles like my learning style i need to either write or speak yep. like if i if i listen or i'm, I'm taught or like yeah i'm talked at or if i'm like having to read i don't read that well like i don't yep. learn things that way the same way like so, yeah, but then there's a lot of people who are taking audio in,
1: right? So like, yeah. they're the ones that are really kind of reaping that. How um, long? How long have you been? Because you started before us. Mm-hmm. You you, you got to be going on over about two years now, huh?
0: Just about. I think it was. I think it's. I think it started in April, April of 2019.
1: I think. So you're two years. Congrats. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, dude. All I know is when Matt, Matt B. Davis when we started the podcast Matt B. Davis. You know, Matt B. Davis can be a prick sometimes, <laughs> intentionally. Yeah. Not unintentionally. He's intentionally just a dick. And be like, heard you're starting a podcast. Good luck. I was like, oh, my whole bank account says you don't make it a year. That's part of the reason we kept doing that, because Matt B. Davis sent one stupid asshole message, <laughs> and he meant it, <laughs> to be honest. but um, But when I realized, like, oh, podcasting will be easy. Like, nobody gives you – I mean, to do this on your own as a solo, especially – like and you were coming out with two episodes a week for a while and maybe you still are sometimes. Sometimes.
0: Like, with the with the like, torque stuff.
1: Whoo, nobody understands like the complexities of getting guests, scheduling guests, editing content, finding stuff that people still want to hear about, making the same topic spun in a new way so we can make another episode out of it so somehow we can get more good content out without it seeming like the same old talk about threshold running. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a and then keeping up with it all is like a, it's a tough endeavor, man. So shouts to us but like it's also
0: yeah it's like it starts to you start to evolve right like who we were two years ago and the thoughts that we had two years ago not the the things that were are interesting to us anymore and that's kind of the way with with this podcast anyway is how i want it to kind of shift into is like it's like what what is going to be an interesting conversation like who and like who am i going to enjoy talking to you know yeah. it kind of boils down to that at, at this point point. and then like i think
1: well, I think there's a lot of stories to be told that aren't always like we have our fair share of pro at, or pro great athletes on our podcast. Like, I'm not going to deny that. There's like so many stories to be shared of like non spotlight humans. And I think that's like that's where people seem to like resonate more with. We can get Ryan Atkins on all day and people are intrigued with what he has to say. But when you get like a my business partner from Kenya mm-hmm. who came up through the Kenyan ranks and lived lives we could never imagine to get where he is today. Like, those are the things that people relate to. So, like, finding finding ways to sprinkle in the pros and then also sprinkle in people that, like, are, like, spotlight pieces on, like... You know what I mean? That's, like, the... That's the thing, people... We get better response off of all of that than we do on our big names, generally.
0: And that's the, like, how to take what we were talking about before us being fitness professionals is like, how to deliver information that's going to help make people better right it's like if you yeah. like and ultimately it's like yeah if you're a better athlete and you can kind of put all these things into place like and that can make you feel better like then that is taking what we're doing at a granular level as a one-on-one and being able to kind of bring it out to more people so more people can kind of get that message and that's a great way to do it and i admire you guys do that is like and like taking chances on guests that you know might not have heard of um, so
1: some and some of them we don't we have an idea but we don't know we don't know how they're all going to go yeah it's
0: the first time like really yeah. talking to somebody it's like uh, um what do you see what do you yeah. see it going long term like it's been long term but like we're like like what do you think like not even if there's a um, plan but like where what, what would
1: you like it yeah. to be? that's a good question too um I'm sure you think about this with yourself a little bit as well, so
0: I mean uh, probably the same amount as you like I don't necessarily have a plan,
1: but like yeah, but you left your personal training career oh, yeah, to yeah. pursue coaching and and I guess podcasting full time so you you obviously had a thought of where you wanted it to head
0: I don't know man i'm i i, I like have lived a a life of unaction for for so long mm-hmm. up and t- like up until a certain point that now I like action, like, precedes any planning a lot of times. <laughs>
1: Dude, action feels more action. It's just, like, yeah. Joe DeSena's quote of fire, aim, ready. ready. Fire it's aim, just, yeah, I it's no, say that fi- all the time. Fire, I say it wrong, but fire, aim, fire, aim, ready is how it goes. Is like, so true. So true. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, man. I have no idea. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just figuring it out as I go along. But, uh, but with the podcast thing, I don't know, all I know is you realize that there's There's like a lot of questions about how to train for the sport of OCR for sure, and a lot of people are out there kind of putting their own training cocktails together, Mm -hmm. and and I respect that. And their verdict is still out there, right, on how the best way necessarily is to train. We understand the fundamentals, like the framework of the house, but maybe like what goes in the house is still up for debate, Mm -hmm. right? Definitely. So like. All I just know is there's a bigger need for knowledge and coaching and training than I ever thought. And I, we had no intentions of like building a coaching business or starting a running public training plan. Like none of that was part of our, like, we didn't say let's do a podcast for a year and then start a training plan. Like let's timeline this. It was just like people kept asking, like they just wanted stuff. And so I didn't expect like that side of things to grow as quickly. And now that it has, it's, it's been really good. I mean, we're not like I'm maybe making it sound like we're, we're busier, bigger deal than we actually are. Cause we're not, but um, maybe leaning my career more into the the coaching and podcasting side of things, and maybe leaning away from the in gym and training side of things. I had a conversation with you before we started recording about reducing days in the gym. My clients who will listen to this already know that I've already told them I'm reducing hours. They won't sound like a bomb. Not dropping. breaking,
0: not breaking news.
1: <laughs> but I, I don't know. You do it makes you feel like you're making a difference right so you, you should lean into that so i don't know we, we don't have any plan like we have no long-term plan other than to keep doing what we're doing we don't have any big like oh we're gonna do this next or this next maybe i'm sure they'll happen but um what about you are you are you looking into anything new i saw you dropped a strength plan right
0: got some strength training stuff going um and yeah it's something i sunk my teeth into a lot so yeah i've been, been building that out um which has been going well um And not like in terms of like kind of the same deal as you, man. Like just trying to follow what is interesting and like what I think would help push this sport forward. And that's kind of like this philosophy that I've had around a lot of the decisions I've made, like maybe in the past like six months, two years. Like, what is going to be best? for this sport like how are we going to help push the sport so like it can create some like longevity and some sticking power and um that's Mm -hmm. kind of the idea with with the whole torque team too it's like okay like what can we do here like as athletes to help push things forward it's like okay we need Mm -hmm. to get better results so like this is the best we got like this is all this is the best my in my idea like this is what we can do to help help each other the most.
1: I had a question about torque. You guys have a good thing going with a bunch of really good athletes. You got like all those people who are just knocking on the door, right? Mm-hmm. And some who are already gonna walk through that door this season. I I know you are. But like how does your torque I'm sure maybe other people are wondering too, but how does your torque work like within your own group? Yeah. How does that work? Do you guys like share training ideas or what are you guys doing?
0: Pretty much. It's pretty much – it's almost like like a mastermind, quote unquote, where we just kind of meet and talk and chat and like have the support of each other and just Mm -hmm. ways to kind of kick ideas around. There's no – there's no obligations on anything. It's not like – if anybody wants like more direct training support, like – we were there to offer it for them. Like, you know, I can, I can help people with some workouts here. or There or other people in the group can help with like exact things. So it's kind of like what you and Bracken were doing together, but just on like a, a bigger like, team scale. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's essentially cool. w- what it is. Right. And like, we have that like camaraderie and like when we go see each other at races too, because you know, you go to a race, you see your friends, um, you run the race, you hang out with your friends a little bit more and then you go home and you're all by yourself in this sport. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's true. a little bit more of that to have like a little bit more of a, of uh, a recap and like the camaraderie together with how things are going and being able to have a little bit of accountability with each other and, um, just feeling part of a team. And so, so that's kind of where it's been. So it's not it's important. Yeah. And, and when we brought it, when I, we brought it to other people, like people felt like there was a need there. Um, so they're on board. I mean, it's just getting started. So we'll see how well it's really going to work and if people really like it, but people seem to be liking it so far. But like, you cool. like said, they're they're good athletes. <laughs> like they would be, doing, really they'd be doing well anyway.
1: Yeah, but it's like, you know, your tribe, like the people who understand the inner workings of your brain without needing to explain yourself are the people that you see at races. Then you come home and train, and then I'm the crazy guy that's getting laughed at while I carry a bucket up a ski hill. Exactly. I don't got to explain myself to our tribe at races, right? Like, it makes sense. I go to the freaking archery range next to the dog park and throw my spear while there's Labradors <laughs> running around right. 20 yards away. And everybody's looking at me like, should we trust that guy? Should we trust that guy throwing spears right now next <laughs> to the dog park? Right. But the torque crew would get it they'd be like oh yeah that's just my boy rich over there throwing his spear he's all good it's
0: like oh you do that oh i should do that too i've been thinking about doing that i'm gonna do that
1: so every time i go to the uh, archery range and throw my spear and that's a bad setup by the way they got an archery range set up next to a dog park i wouldn't recommend that setup <laughs> so the dog owners are the, the dog owners are uncomfortable with me throwing my spear because it's just i don't seem trustworthy when a guy's throwing a spear and then you get like all the guys there who are shooting their bows to prep for like archery season and they're like you you gonna you trying to spear an animal? Like what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, are you what kind of animal are you trying to kill with that thing? It's like I'm real, like you got hunter,
0: real hunter-gatherer stuff here. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm going back to my roots, bro, chasing them along. down. Endurance athlete, I'll run them down. <laughs> I'll
1: throw the spear at them. Subsistence hunting, yes, yeah. Um, Persistence hunting, yeah.
0: So yeah, man. I mean, like, but that's what I've been real happy with with what's been going on with um, with you and Brack and the running public. And at first, you know, it's like it's hard not to be competitive, and mm-hmm. like. Uh, but, like, the way that you guys are just, like, reaching people, it's going to be so much
1: better for the sport because, like, before... You were the only one before doing this, Rich, by the way. You were the only one putting out real helpful information before. You're you're actually the OG of somebody actually trying to help people.
0: Like, in this space, like, I just kind of took a model from other spaces, right? Like, it's not unique, but, like, it was something for OCR. It's like, okay, like, there is a need... Well, it's, it's just kind of the same thing as, like, what you guys said. It's like, I think I would like the show like this. Mm-hmm. Maybe more people would like a show that talks about, like, the Hunter versus Megidda storyline yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but, like, yeah. there's that's there, not for everybody. So, like, having, like, real stuff that can potentially help people, I think, would like,
1: and we, I mean, we look at it like athletes, I do you know? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if you pay attention, but I pay attention to, like, the Apple podcast charts, and you've only moved up and we've only moved up. I don't know how often you you dive in there and take a look, but I
0: check them out. It's flux. I, I look at the ones on uh on that chartable I sent you that one time. They seem like a disaster. I don't know. Ever know what's going on. I looked at they, that today and you guys were like like it's huge. usually you guys are like in the top.
1: Where are you on Apple typically? I think we just were for I think we're 14th yeah. in the all-time running space. We That's started sweet. in the 50s and the 40s and the 30s. Now we're at 14th. We're right behind the Billy Yang podcast. And I was like, "Ah, Billy Yang's it got a legit thing going, so that felt pretty good. But you're you're in there. I don't know if you noticed, like in the all time, like it, in the all time has been people. Yeah. Well, there's been people that have been podcasting for a decade in this space. Yeah. And so, even though they don't have great reviews, they have a shitload of episodes, and they've been doing it for a while, so they get prioritized over new episodes. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean the number one is putting out the best, most helpful content. It means they've been doing it the longest and the consistency, and they have enough of a listeners on a regular basis. So, like takes a while for new people to fight fight and claw their way up those lists
0: yeah and that's what the the long the the staying power because like yeah i don't plan on doing anything different doesn't sound like you guys are either so it's just a matter of like continuing to plug away at it yeah (laughs) Yeah. and
1: that's that's all you can really do right yeah totally yeah
0: um well cool man Do
1: do we need to wrap up the high volume conversation or were you satisfied with that
0: yeah i mean you got anything else to add on it
1: I don't, no, I know. I just got, I felt like I shifted us away from that unintentionally. No, but.
0: nope. This is this was perfect. I mean, we talked about a lot of the crux of it, and like it, it kind of all led into the other thing. So I'm happy with it. The only thing I'm, I'm curious about, like, what's the what's the bourbon brand for a Friday night? What's the bourbon choice? What kind oh. of bitters
1: are we working with on a Friday? Uh, see, so you know me too well. All right, so let's see here. What am I going to do tonight? Uh, I got some homemade uh, some homemade hazelnut cherry bitters. Huh. So, I, so all these bitters I got, I got home, I got, I got chocolate bitters, hazelnut cherry, apple, house bitters, orange, husk cherry. Got all those. So I add those in with a little uh, sweet vermouth. And uh, I don't have any bourbon in the house, so it might be a rye, probably a high west.
0: Ah, I had yeah, the high west here as well. Um, yeah. When you're making a bur- like a bitters with hazelnut, how do you extract a hazelnut taste? Is it as simple yeah, as I, just
1: – I got a friend who's really into this, um, and he introduced me into this. So he has like a big tray of, I don't know what you want to call them. It looks like a potpourri dish, right? In a sense, like it's got a bunch of dried everything in there. And so you take basically mm. fifty percent hundred proof liquor, and then you soak. We soak real hazelnuts in there. You'll soak real like cherries in there. You'll soak a bunch of different herbs. And then you let it sit for two weeks, and you boil it down. Then you re-add and let it sit again, and then you strain it, and it just kind of dilutes into the flavor, becomes very strong. Add some simple syrup in there and some other things, and then it just adds like a slight flavor note. And if you're a snob like me, you'll notice those flavor notes. But if you're just like some chick who pounds Fireball, you're never going to notice the <laughs> difference. You know what I mean? No disrespect <laughs> but some, to Fireball, but. <laughs> but I have some of that as well. <laughs> if you want some time, if you're if you're if you appreciate a fine cocktail, I'll send you some sometime and. I'll let you have one to try some on your own. I know you could live in the clean life these days. Nah, um, I'm not.
0: I, I gotta periodize my clean living, and I'm not quite in that. I do it in like chunks, and all the rest okay. of the year. That's how I periodize. That's my main. That's that's my trick. But uh, but yeah, like I was hitting you how up you about some bitters. I went to a specialty cocktail store. <clears> no wonder those things are like twenty bucks a shot. They're like this big, cost like twenty bucks a thing. You should start selling them on like Etsy or something. That, that,
1: that should be the i'm next. busy enough but but a, a bottle of bitters you know you only put you know two droppers in a the drink they last no it's long.
0: gonna last forever but they can definitely really set up a cocktail around. they can set up a nice a nice man or something
1: you know it can there's nothing wrong with balance folks that's, that's true
0: that's the end of, yep. a, that's a great place to wrap this up dude well i appreciate <laughs> you taking the time appreciate you skipping your workout yesterday um but yeah, man. we're um what do you got next are you gonna be what's your next race
1: I'm entertaining to run a 38 miles for my 38th birthday next weekend. Nice. Um, if I do that, then I'm going to have to completely reset, take a week or 10 days off, and then build again. Um, hence why I'm being extra careful this week with my training. Uh, I have West Virginia on the docket. I have nothing else. I'm going to skirt Utah. I have no interest in going to elevate altitude and suffering to take, you know, seventh place at best. Um, and I think I might pick some Midwest stuff. If I don't, this is the first time I'm saying this, so this is – if I don't do the 38 miles for my 38th birthday, there's a chance I go hop in the Ohio Ultra, Ooh. which I've never done. And it's on my bu- it's on my list. Um, and I might seek out some random races, literally buy a plane ticket on a Thursday if I'm feeling the flow. But West Virginia, slow. I'm going to dodge Tahoe as well, no interest. Abu Dhabi um, and probably just a few mixed in between Um Everybody always asks me about like you'd be great at high rocks or go into decafit or do any of those, and I believe they're right, and I believe I would be <laughs> I good at those. Good. <clears throat> but but I believe I would need to shift my training, and I'm just liking running too much right now. My pure running too. I, I you got to do what the heart wants. The heart wants to run right now, so um, so I'm not going to do that stuff as of now. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much it.
0: What about you? Um, I'm doing. I got DECA next weekend in uh, oh, West Palm. Oh, you're going? Um, Yep. I'm all vaxxed up. I'm going to get on a plane. We're going to spend a couple couple days down there. I'm going to be excited about that. Um, then High Rocks in Orlando on the 3rd um, of June. And then if I qualify for the Chicago race, I'll go out to the Chicago one.
1: Which is in June, later, later in June, right? Yeah. Dude, so you could be hitting it pretty hard here this next like six weeks for you be Yeah, big. so I do
0: kind of need to do get into my lifestyle periodization. But like, yeah, these next six weeks, like things have been pretty up. Um, intensity's been pretty up. Um, so yeah, just trying to put push hey, that
1: sled. Not like you need good advice from me because you know more than I probably do about training. But Ryan Kent... Runs hard. when he's performing his best. He's doing all these mixed workouts on the rower and erg and running, and then he's going and crushing stuff. Right, like that guy Metcon run work. Like maybe you running less and having to do that stuff might pay off in your benefit for these. I'm gonna races. see because I'm gonna go into. I'm gonna do
0: Palmerton in early july without much prep <laughs> just to kind of see it's probably always a it's good probably idea be terrible <laughs> but like it's like at least i can know it's like okay check this off as a no <laughs> do mount run in the mountains and the trails to prepare for these races but we'll, we're gonna we're gonna see but you get it can get up
1: there once or twice for like a training yeah. run right
0: yeah yeah it's close yeah, enough and there's okay. a couple like local fi- like they do like a 5k's on the mountain every now and then so um yeah man
1: sweet dude I don't know if our paths will cross. That's what I was kind of trying to I get know. at.
0: That's why I want to do this podcast as well. Maybe what, maybe right. West Virginia. That that will be something. But, like, everything is going to be after after June is going to be, like, I don't know exactly how training is going to go. So I'm not really going to, like, put a big emphasis on any of the races in the fall, but I, I would like okay. to go. Um, and then after that. That
1: would be sweet.
0: You said Tahoe, or, yeah or no? No.
1: Screw that. Are you going to
0: come out to the OCRWC?
1: That I'm, that I'm I'm entertaining. I'm putting all my eggs in West Virginia's basket. I mean, I'm going to train for West Virginia like it's the world champs. I'm going to taper, full taper in, and then I'm going to take a rest period after that before a fall build to the fall races. So West Virginia is like my A race above everything this entire cool. year because it excites me the most, and and it fits well for a, a D load after that. So what I'm getting at is with the timing of that, I don't know. We'll see where I'm at after that with OCR Worlds and coming back to – into training but there's a chance all right i'm sick of all these people getting on my back about eh, you just do spartans because you can't do obstacles i'm gonna elbow those people in the face at ocr well that's the one reason i want to go for all the haters i knew all the it. you do well in those races that was like your breakout race wasn't it almost yeah. yeah i ran in front of woods and killian for eight and a half out of nine miles at ocr right. norams the first year they had it yeah i was knocking on you know, the podium until i blew up in the last half mile somehow
0: yeah you know? the uh right. there's only so many races man and when the when the money pays out at spartan it's like all right
1: i'm gonna go to spartan yeah you know, whatever not 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 that hard yeah
0: not that hard of no. a decision in my mind no. so yeah all right cool dude uh, i'll link to all the places that people can find you and uh i appreciate you taking time dude
1: yeah man good chatting with you